Welcome to episode 14 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. We have a lot to discuss after this trade deadline. The Blue Jays have Jose Barrios in the rotation. Stoughton, what was your first reaction to this trade going down? Uh, you know, I've been saying for weeks, like, I don't think the Jays are going to make blockbusters. Then I kind of got mad when they didn't go <laughs> and get Joey Gallo, which it seemed like a perfect thing to do, in a, especially to block the Yankees from doing it. And so for them to get, you know... Uh, you know, I mean, Max Scherzer got traded, so I can't call uh, Barrios the best pitcher on the market, but like a non-rental and an excellent starter who's going to, you know, fit perfectly into their rotation, which is, you know, not, you know, not five aces, but really a strong rotation now. Like, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, I was I was very happy and then very terrified, I think, like a lot of Jays fans <laughs> uh, when it came to the price. And uh, I'm sure there are some fans out there who are still uh, wary of the cost that uh, that Ross Atkins and company paid to get Barrios. I think that, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot of sizzle to Austin Martin's name, but then we sort of learned throughout the day, uh, as as you kind of, as these things happen to, you know, this happens with these things. When someone gets traded away, you, you start to see the warts on them a lot, you know, more clearly than you did when they were in your system. Uh, but I think people people are generally feeling a little bit better about it. Uh, as long as they are of the mind, which I am, uh, which is that the Jays should be going for it this year and should you know not waste what is you know the, the good bones of a team that they've got that really needed a couple of tweaks to make it you know just a completely different looking, different feeling situation for them. Like the bullpen is better now. The bullpen is not going to blow leads. It's, you're not going to have Jacob Barnes out there. You're not going to have you know run down the cast of characters that we've had to endure this year. Uh, so it's pretty good. It is obviously a high cost for, uh, for Barrios, but, but, uh, a fun, fun day, I think. Yeah. And it is kind of all about the cost, right? Because if they had got him for less, then it would just be a, a coronation. It'd be like, wow, they got this player who fits their needs perfectly and is, yeah, not an ace, but, you know, just to throw a couple of numbers out, I think since 2018, he's 17th in war in the entire league and 7th in innings. Like, that's pretty good. That mm-hmm. Like, that like, again, like, you can do, I don't know, call him a, a very, very good number two even. Durable, saves your bullpen, which is less of a value in the grander scheme of baseball maybe these days, but more of a value to the Blue Jays in particular. Mm-hmm. Um those yeah, those were big names for a lot of Blue Jays fans. You know, Austin Martin's the fifth overall pick in the draft. I think also people have anchored him as the, you know, Keith Law really pushed the this was the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of ideas by Blue Jays fans that you know this guy was as locked in uh, regular at least and potential star as you can find. So to see him leave for one and a half years of a pitcher, especially when the half of those years is. Even this is like a bit of an improbable shot at the playoffs. I, I think it's worth yes. pursuing, but we have to admit like where the odds are with them. So I, I understand the reaction. Martin's a guy I've been, I wouldn't say I've been closely watching all year. That would be unfair, but I've been paying attention. And that, that lack of power was really nagging away at me a little bit. And when you have a guy who you want to be a big league regular someday, unless he's a truly, truly elite uh fielder and martin's more of a multi-positional guy than an elite fielder it is odd to see your kind of future hitter just producing nothing in in that area and that's not to say that he won't go on to do great things like 
flipping this the script if you're a twins fan you're happy with what you got here like you can spit like i think the blue jays fans are saying okay well here's two guys that were really high in lists but they both struggled this year in their own different ways and maybe they're not quite who we thought they were and it's okay to let them go and if you're a twins fan you're saying well these are two guys who have incredible potential who have incurred some struggles right now but we're buying at the perfect time here. We're buying low on them a little bit. And the talent is profound with both of these guys. And we could have two guys that are building blocks for our team. And we're giving up one and a half years of a pitcher. And, you know, Martin could even appear in 2022. Mm-hmm. So, like, this could be the Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows <laughs> trade. Like, it could. I'm not saying yeah, that it will oh, be. Yeah. That's not how I think this is going to go. And I think Barris is a really good pitcher and a really good addition. But this could be the scenario, like these guys are both at double A, where they're both, you know, they turn it on, they find it, and they're both contributing to the Twins in the very near future, and it looks really, really bad for the Blue Jays. But you know what? I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to put themselves out there like that. So I didn't know this front office was necessarily capable of doing that. So that part alone is exciting to see, kind of regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I, that is absolutely. And I, you know, I tend to be a believer uh, just because it makes too much sense that, that they should operate this way and they should operate like a big market team. But for completely understandable reasons, you know, people have been uh, taking a long time to come around on, on this front office and, and to let go of some of those notions about, you know, what they what their track record was in Cleveland and then what they did in the first two years here, which were obviously sort of colored by the situation. And now that the situation is changing for the Blue Jays, uh, they're acting like you know the the kind of front office that we want them to, which is which is yeah, it's absolutely exciting. It gives, you know we've seen it already a bit with Ryu with Springer, but like this is the first time a real big outlay of prospects has happened, and uh, you know it is big, it is absolutely big, and and it's funny you mentioned you know that they could you know Twins fans probably looking at this as you know hitting them buying them at the right time because they are a little bit devalued, and the power is definitely a thing with. Uh, with Martin and you know I think the glove is too and you know if he's a if he's a slap hitting center fielder that's a different guy than you know best hitter in the draft shortstop I think you know center field's still good he's still really you know a really good prospect uh but when you were talking about that it made me think of Kevin Smith who is a guy who you know could have been had for nothing last year and is maybe a factor in why Martin was was expendable here because you know Smith has had such a great year uh, you know, I think I quoted Scott Mitchell from TSN was talking about how, you know, the, in, the reports you hear on him are, are different. The, you know, the hit tool is different. I think Keith Law was talking in my replies to somebody about how the, the swing is different. Uh, so he's just sort of a, a different guy this year. And, uh, and on one hand, that's, that's really encouraging for the Blue Jays. And, and he's a guy who sort of fits this core's timeline better than Martin, you know, Martin, that's another thing, thing that, that, that people need to wrap their heads around. It's like everybody's sort of thinking like, oh, well then, you know, Semyon's going to go and then Groshans and Martin can come in. And it's like, no, those guys are, you know, look at how long it took Vlad to become, you know, to hit his stride. And he's obviously younger, but, it, but you know, it, it doesn't necessarily click right away. You're not, you're not a championship caliber team if you replace Martin, Marcus Semyon with Austin Martin in 2022. Right, I'm not saying that you are if you do that with Kevin Smith, but he's a little bit closer, and he's he's sort of intriguing, and and obviously the Jays are are now they've pushed some chips in for 2022, right? Like they they've got Barrios for one more year after this. Uh, now you got to go out and and figure out what you're doing with Robbie Ray if you're bringing him back. Figure out if you're bringing Semyon back uh, instead of 
sort of letting those guys go, getting quali- you know, qualifying offers, getting, you know, uh, hoarding more prospects and waiting for it all to develop in. Like if they were going to do that, the Bo Vlad Bichette or, or Vigio core would be like, would be gone by the time, you know, the, the, the sprouts start to grow from all the prospects that they're hoarding. So I just don't think that was ever really re- uh, realistic. Um, which is, you know, again, like I say, it's, uh, it becomes easier to justify after it's already happened. Like if you had told me yesterday that Austin Martin was going to get traded, I would have been like, that's crazy. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that it's going to, it's going to cost something to get a very high level player again, whether we want to call him a two or low end one, whatever it is. And I think everyone looks at a Blue Jays prospect list and they kind of have their own individual favorites and they're like, oh, it's like, I saw a lot of tweets like, as long as it's not Arelvis Martinez, as long as it's right. not Gabriel Moreno, like, everyone has their favorites, but, like, they're, and they have ones that they'd be more okay with people with the Blue Jays using as chips. And I think Woods Richardson probably was one of those guys, especially the way he was struggling this year and the way that, you know, he's less of a pure stuff guy to dream on, like Manoa has been or like Pearson is. But I think Martin was one of those guys for a lot of Blue Jays fans who they, I don't think they even, like you said, maybe didn't even conceive of the idea that Martin was on the block, but he would have been one of those guys where you think, okay, well, just don't give up Martin. Don't like Groshans is a guy a lot of people have fantasized about trading for multiple years now. And Martin just hasn't been. Martin has been, it's like, okay, his draft pedigree was so good. They were, they got him a steal at five. He's just not one of those guys. And I think that made it harder to take. But if it had been, like, I don't know, if it had been Groshans instead of Martin, I think people would have been a little bit calmer about it. But like you say, it's they have been devalued a bit. I like the idea that this puts more incentive on them to keep pushing because, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's not the nicest thing to say about them. But now, like, I don't want – it's not like their job's on the line, but to an extent, their reputation's on the line, right? Like, they've said, okay, 2021, 2022 is a competitive window worth making sacrifices for. It only behooves them to make more sacrifices, to make it good, right? If they if they let it stop here, they they're not active in the off season. Um, they like you said, they let Semyon and Ray go, and they get picks, and they talk about sustainable contention again. Then it kind of makes them look like idiots because they already <laughs> said, you know, 2021, 2022 is a big deal, and we're willing to give up things of pretty significant value to push that forward. The it, they're only going to keep pushing, which is interesting because we've only ever heard of let's have this contender forever. Like let's have these waves of prospects. And we've talked before about how the, you know, the Vladdy bow wave is different. Like that's, you're not going to get that again. But even so we had this idea like, okay, well there's this wave coming, this wave coming. And you made a good point about how those guys don't necessarily hit right away. And maybe it doesn't work perfectly. And that's part of what this deal is. But now they're, we can kind of forget about waves for a second. There are guys like Moreno's a guy for sure in the pretty near future. But this window really, really, really matters. And that's that's exciting. It's exciting to tell a fan base like, okay, it's not what we're looking forward to or we're going to take a, a bunch of bites at the apple, some more aggressive than others. We're saying this is the time. Right now is the time. Tw- maybe Maybe more so 2022 is the time. But 2022 is around the corner. So, you know, the time is now for the Toronto Blue Jays, and it's been hard to say that since sort of 2016. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is like we watched, and this you know leads right into it, is we watched all offseason 
other than Springer, they were really reluctant to commit $2022. They've been really you know, loading up on flexibility. Uh, one guy that they didn't go after apparently was Brad Hand, who they now have acquired, and they, they went with Kirby Yates instead because Hand was looking for a two-year commitment, uh, which, you know, <laughs> maybe the, maybe a mistake there. Uh, could have saved us a lot of aggravation having an actual reliever instead of Kirby Yates on the sideline. But, you know, they didn't go after Taiwan Walker uh, at a very reasonable price, who they clearly liked, they traded for, had a good experience here, uh, because they didn't want to commit dollars to next year. And this just is an even bigger signal that, like, they're gonna they're going out to spend this next winter. Uh, and that is, judging by what the way teams are operating with the luxury tax, uh, that's awesome, because... They can probably push some teams around. Also, you know, the Cubs are, are clearly out. You know, the Twins aren't going to be uh, bidding on any free agents. The Nationals aren't going to be, like, big players on the free agent market. These are teams that are, are generally part of it. And, you know, where are the Yankees? Where are the Dodgers? Like, they're, the Yankees had to get teams, had to give up players to get teams to, to pay for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo's salary, like, so that they could stay under the luxury tax, which is sort of absurd. It's like, you know, I think the... The loss of the prospect is probably not is probably worth more than the you know, yeah that's worse the, than paying the, the overage fee but whatever the tiniest little slimmer uh, glimpse <laughs> slim slim glimmer of hope uh, and optimism around all those Yankees trades is that they ended up giving up more prospects than they needed to just because they were being cheap which is not something you expect to say about the Yankees so yeah looking at it from the outside. It is kind of interesting to see the Yankees do that and act like, uh, you know, act like an Oakland A's when they're the New York Yankees because they're trying to avoid this. And as a result, you know, I'm not going to say they gave up disastrously great pro- prospects, but you'd assume the Yankees are the type of team that is going to take on money to avoid giving up good prospects. And it's interesting to see them do the opposite. Yeah, and so you know, there are some there are some quality free agents that are going to be available in the winter and. The Jays are set up well for that, and they also have they have a, a team that are, is going to be an appealing destination more so than the Jays usually ever are. Uh, and if the luxury tax things makes it difficult for the Yankees, makes it difficult for the Dodgers to do too much, you know, then then they're, you're, you you can compete in that pool if you're the Blue Jays. You're never going to outspend the Dodgers or Yankees if somebody you know if Cole wants to go to the Yankees, he's going to the Yankees. But uh, I think it sets them up really well, and it also gives them a cheap starter for next year you know he's arbitration eligible probably going to make you know i think he makes 6.1 this year probably going to go up to 10 also a guy they could potentially extend he's only 27 right now in uh, barrios so uh just lots of good about it and the the price was tough to take at first absolutely but uh yeah still still pretty happy about what that means and just the just the pivot to no we're we're going for it we're going to try like there's just so much of that not happening uh not just in this sport but in a lot of sports it's like it's like that's the whole point that's what we're that's what we're here for like go for it have fun and like don't worry you know yeah you might have you might have made yourself marginally worse in three years by trading away austin martin but there are ways to there are ways to get back on track and uh the value of two years of taking a crack at it instead of hoarding prospects for another two years uh is very much worth it and arguably, like, what makes the Austin Martins of the world valuable is the idea that you have a really, really good player who you're paying nothing. 
And if you're really dabbling in free agency the way the Blue Jays have the potential to do, you lose Austin Martin. And in theory, you go out and you buy an Austin Martin. And it's not necessarily that simple. And, you know, you never know who's going to be available. And sometimes the players at that position are older than you like or whatever it is. It's not a one-to-one type of thing. But when you're willing to spend in free agency the impetus to just keep every prospect who could become an MLB regular no matter what goes away a little bit because you can fill in some of those gaps, which you'll see them do. And context is important here because if the Blue Jays go out and they don't get a start, a good starter in the offseason, whether it's trade or free agency, and then effectively Barrios slots in as the replacement for what Ray would be, getting paid slightly less, and you've paid all this amount of money for a run in 2021 that may not happen, and then a replacement for a player you already have but cheaper in 2022, I don't think it's probably a good deal if that's the case. But if you re-sign Ray or you get another good pitcher and your 2022 rotation is you know, Barrios, Manoa, Ryu, and then Ray and or some other good starter, and then a bunch of guys competing for the five, that's a good rotation. Like Pearson, maybe, even. Like like Mr. Pearson, who almost <laughs> apparently left us today. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. But I think they, you know, like, Bo and Vlad are so good so early, they make nothing. And it's like, that's like, though you have to build your team around guys like that. Like, that's, it's here. Like, you're getting, <laughs> you know, you're going to get, like, like 12, 12 wins, like 12 war out of guys making the league minimum. Like, And Alec Manoa is, is, is another guy you could maybe put on that list too. Like it is, That's the situation you want to be in. Uh, and that's where you, know, you could just maximize your dollars that way. You're not, you're not, you don't have bloated contracts all over the place. And that's what they've been doing. They've been pres- preserving the flexibility. And I think that you know, before those guys get too expensive, you could squeeze in some mid-tier free agents. You could squeeze in some bargains and some interesting moves like they did this year with Semyon and with Ray, uh, which are paying off huge. You know, they probably have written this before. Like they, they probably would rather have the next Semyon and Ray than pay the full price for their next contracts. Uh, but we'll see where that goes. They have the flexibility to do it. And like I say, I they may be one of the very few teams that's out there willing to spend again next year. And I think that that's clearly in their minds and uh, very advantageous. Yeah, and, and like you said, the the Bo Vlad thing is so unusual. Like we've talked about Bo as the type of guy who would be a top building block for a number of franchises and then to have Vladdy on top of that is incredible. Like you say, Manoa's there and Bijou's there and whatnot. And you do have to take advantage of it. Like it kind of reminds me of Alex Anthopoulos when he was talking about 2015 I don't know if it was that season particularly, but he kind of mentioned how Eddie and Bautista were just such a gift from the baseball Mm -hmm. gods that they kind of had, they, they felt like, and you know, some of this is probably PR spin, you know what I mean? Like we know that some of it had to do with him potentially leaving and trying to, you know, had less to lose than some other executives might've done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's truth to it. Like, you know, the way Bautista just broke out out of nowhere is sort of truly unprecedented, especially at that time in the kind of pre-advanced swing change era. And then Encarnacion to do the same thing. Now, it's not quite the same thing because these guys are rookies and you wouldn't call it a gift necessarily because you've developed these guys and you've put a lot of work into them, whatever. It's less 
uh, yeah, it's less serendipitous and it's more methodical the way this came about. But the fact of the matter is you have this gift and you have to. Like, you, you can't just sit back and say, oh, we're going to – let's be that team that's 500 every year and then one year we luck our way into the wild card. Like, that is colossally stupid with the gift you've been given. <laughs> Uh, and and they know that. Like, I'm not yeah. saying that that's who they are. And if anything, today they've proven that that's not who they are, right? But it is so rare. Uh, and it is, it's uplifting, especially on this sort of an uplifting Blue Jays type of get day with them returning home um, to see the franchise proceed with a sense of urgency because that has always been the criticism. It has been more fair at other at sometimes than others, but it is less fair than ever today. Like it, it, this is a real paradigm shift because I'm not sure I ever thought I'd see them trade prospects of this caliber. I know you said, uh, you know, in Cleveland, it was a different situation when they were kind of rebuilding. It was a different situation. And still, you know, I went through that whole trade history with you, like mm -hmm. almost 20 years of it uh, the other day. And there was sort of one instance of them trading a good prospect. And that prospect was not as good as Austin Martin. So, you know, you can believe in theory it would it would be a good idea for them to, you know, start trading prospects. They've got so many and the team's so good and this all makes tons of sense. And they're smart people and we, we're on board with what they're doing in general. But until you see it happen, there's always going to be that doubt. And there's something pretty special about seeing that doubt evaporate in front of your very eyes, even if this trade goes completely sideways, which is absolutely <laughs> on the table. It is absolutely on the table that this is a terrible trade. Well, and I think, I mean, the the the, the Bautista-Encarnacion gift thing way even more about 2012, which is, you know, the, or 2013, you know, the, the moves that they made after 2012, uh, which is the season that we don't want to sort of compare this situation to, uh, you know, Syndergaard, Verdicke, and, and, and whatnot. And the, you know, I don't think they gave up a ton in the Marlins deal, but, but, ill-fated uh, moves. But I think, but the impetus was right in, in that I think Anthopolis wanted to uh, kickstart the the winning process because they had a, they had that gift of, of Bautista and Encarnacion just like, oh, look, we have Ortiz and Manny in the middle of our lineup now. Uh, we better put a team around them. Uh, and they weren't making a ton of money and Bo and Vlad are, are making even less. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good, and they also got relievers, which is uh, has been has been a thing that's been important uh, this whole season. That they finally have a bullpen that doesn't look like I could pitch in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I had a little bit of skepticism about Brad Hand. He's got a bit of an interesting story because last year. He had really good results, but his velocity sort of fell off, and that scared off a lot of teams in the offseason. And then this year, he got that velocity back, but then the results haven't been quite as good. I I worry a bit about them kind of paying for a brand name, paying for saves, paying for the guy who's done it before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera with him. I think there's a bit of a premium on that. But here's the deal. It, I don't think Riley Adams is anything. Uh, and yeah. like Maybe... Like he's got power. That's it's always interesting when a guy's got power, especially at a premium defensive position. But his defense isn't great. The hit tool isn't great. There's a million catchers on the Blue Jays, and they were even trying to get more catchers today. They were trying to get Jan Gomes yeah, uh, back in the stable, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like Riley Adams is the sort of prospect that I understand another team taking a swing at because the theoretical ceiling is pretty impressive with him. But 
you know, the big AAA numbers aside, and we know the gap between AAA and the majors is bigger than ever uh, nowadays. And he's a little bit older too, so I'm less impressed with that. The chances of Riley Adams doing anything of significance in a Blue Jays uniform was so low that it's really hard to hate on the deal. I guess you could say, you know, with that prospect trade chip, a very kind of middle of the road one, maybe Hand isn't the guy you want, but at the end of the day, you know, he's he's an upgrade. He's another guy who makes them better, um, you know, late in games who they feel like they can trust and they can play some matchups with. And yeah, again, like whenever you have these kind of deals, like I said to you before we started recording, I thought that's the kind of thing we would just be talking about this whole episode would just be like, here's a bunch of kind of fine deals that Blue Jays made that showed that they showed the clubhouse they weren't actively giving up on 2021. And, you know, hand is sort of that, but that's fine. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, they've certainly done more than that. I, I think you're right having re- reservations about hand, but even more right in not having any reservations <laughs> about giving away Riley Adams. Like, when your ceiling is like, ooh, he could maybe be John Buck one day. Fingers crossed. All-star like, John Buck. <laughs> that's true. 20 home run guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know that that's anything you need to be super protective of, especially when you already have, like, four catchers better and younger, or a couple of them younger at least. Yeah, he was exactly the sort of guy that you can trade and really not feel anything about. We don't know who's going in the Soria deal. Um, you know, players to be named later. I don't know. I, I don't want to even speculate on that. I, I remember I wrote a piece um, a couple of years ago when the Blue Jays traded Eric Sogard, and I tried to just like go through the raise system and just find guys that I figured <laughs> like based on Sogard's value, like were kind of at the fringes of the prospect list, like shitty enough that they could qualify as players to be named later and who might be interesting in, in that bracket. And there was two players to be named later in that trade. And I put out a list of, it was pretty big and it was, it was quite the ordeal, like really sifting through the system, like not even prospect lists, sometimes just guys who were like at low a putting up interesting numbers that kind of stuff, and right. just didn't didn't nail any of them. So I've given up. Yeah. Officially, I'm like, you know what? Players who name later, I will wait with the rest of the world because. Um, but yeah, sorry, is a we've seen him. I think he's got like 14 years. I think his service time was 14 years exactly. He's done it all. He's probably not a closer anymore. He's no, he doesn't throw super hard. You can hold that against him, I guess. Though this is his hardest year, according to. Uh the fan drafts page it's true <laughs> it's uh it's but i think it's still kind of 93 uh yeah oh yes it is exactly 93 yeah. change up guy like again he's the he's the sort of guy that if you gave him a different name with his stuff i would be like a total shrug but he does get a few points um for just you know consistency command you know high floor all the kind of stuff that has been lacking. He's the kind of guy they probably needed like a month and a half ago, to be honest. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> the, the Diamondbacks wouldn't have been selling at that point. Yeah, <laughs> 19 <laughs> losses. Hard to pry a guy like that away, a 37-year-old away from a team in a 19-game losing streak. It's interesting, though. It, it, it sort of fits in with, I mean, it's definitely a different level when you're talking about Semyon and Ray, but... They they do do they do seem to have like it's a microcosm of maybe what they did last winter like okay we're gonna go big and sign George Springer we're gonna go big on Barrios 
and uh, and then everything else we're gonna like uh, this guy's kind of misshapen but he you know he's not going to command a ton of money because he he's flawed in these ways but we can make it work and they did that you know Adam Simber was another, uh, I thought, great pickup in that sort of vein where it's like, okay, you know, for whatever reason, this is this guy isn't as coveted as he should be. So we, we can, we'll, we'll work with that. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly not the White Sox bullpen where you just, you're, you might as well be, you know, put the bat down after the seventh inning uh, or, or sooner. <laughs> that bullpen's ridiculous. Um, but I, I, I think it could be effective enough to, to make the hurting stop, I think that like, <laughs> that's the bar. That's what they're looking yeah, it for. It really is. But like Soria, Timber, uh, Hand, Trevor Richards, you know, Romano's still okay, not as great as before. Pearson's going to come into there. Barucky's back to health. Meza is Meza. Um, Hatch, hopefully, f- like figure out that he's a reliever. I don't know, maybe never. Yeah, that but... could be helpful too. I mean, you're going to get Stephen Matz probably into the into the bullpen mix. Maybe I don't. I've had a couple of people being like, "Oh, Stripling's got to be out of the rotation, right?" I'm like, "Why would, why no, would you you... Stephen Matz over Stripling? Yeah. Like, Stripling's been good. Like he had two bad games and then looked fine in the last one. Like, yeah, I think Stripling has earned the benefit of the doubt there, and Stripling's utility in the bullpen is more on length and competence than on stuff. Whereas Matt's, I think, is in short stints. There's a potential for him to play up a little bit with that velocity and actually be interesting. Whereas Stripling in the bullpen, we've seen it a million times before. It's fine. He can log some innings for you, but it's not. And I'm not saying Matt's is going to be a difference maker in the bullpen, but there's just like a little bit more of a spark of something there that. Um, yeah, it could be interesting. Or, or they could keep they could go with a six man rotation because uh, I know they're going to try to they're going to want to limit Manoa's innings. Giving Ryu extra rest is always good. Maybe that's a thing they they consider. I don't know. Maybe I don't, if I, 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 I don't g- know that you want to give Matts that. Yeah, <laughs> that if I gave this time. much for a year and a half of a guy, I'm maximizing the half. Yeah. I'm he's taking all the starts. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's got to do that. It's it's interesting though because like you know you're right with the bullpen. They feel like none of the guys they brought in throw hard really. Like you know Simber obviously doesn't, but neither does Sorio. Hand not especially. Uh, Richards. Uh, like you said, they they took they didn't go to the very top of the market, and I don't think they'll necessarily regret it because their floor is so low that bringing the floor up is probably where the value was more than anything else, and they've got the quantity of pitchers now. But when you zoom out and look at this team, you know, at the end of today, there really isn't a profound weakness there, which is pretty. I guess that means that you did your deadline pretty well. If that's the case, right? You know, like the rotation, so. you feel good about. Ray Ryu has bounced back pretty nicely uh, recently. Ray Ryu, Barrios, and then you've got you know Stripling and Manoa. The bullpen has kind of full of competence. We know what the batting order can do. Like the catching position is a bit of a whirly gig of nonsense <laughs> at the moment. A um, bit. But you know, you know, there's some players sure that you could theoretically upgrade on, but. There's, there's, there's some defensive questions. There's yeah. some defensive questions that will bring down the staff to some degree, especially those guys who don't miss bats. And you know, third base defense is always going to be a worry. But there's, well, you know, this is a unless unless Espinal's playing, which he should yeah. be more often than Biggio. But uh, there's an argument for that. Although I, I, it's going to take longer for me to believe that he can hit anything. I know the numbers say that he's hitting this year. I just I'm watching him hit, and I just don't. 
I like he's one of the, you know he's the latest guy in the here's a utility infielder therefore Toronto fans will love him uh, he's just the latest guy on that list because he plays defense and he's hit but I, I just don't see that going forward but no but just yeah big big picture this is a good lineup this is a good rotation now I feel more confident saying this is a good rotation now that Barrios is in yeah. it for sure. And the bullpen, I think, is actually kind of fine from here on out. Like, if the blow, if the Blue Jays' bullpen from this moment forth was like, I don't know, what you want to use, WPA or ERA or WAR is kind of weird with bullpens. But, like, just even if we don't peg it to a stat, I wouldn't be shocked if it was sort of, you know, the 13th best bullpen in the league from here on out or the 15th. Like, I just, it doesn't have to be a black hole anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, which yeah, is pretty I cool. Know. Go into Soria and like a leverage spot in a playoff game. It doesn't seem ideal, but you know what? If we get there, then that's then it's all been worth it. I think. Yeah, you can worry about that when you get there. Like, yeah, if the Blue Jays, I mean, playoff baseball is such a crapshoot. If the Blue Jays get there, who knows what happens? If they get there, will they be the best team there? Hell no, absolutely not. There's some <laughs> incredible teams, and a lot of those teams got a lot better over the last couple yeah, of days. I mean, Blue Jays aren't the only team that got better. Yes, that's true. Stupid Yankees. The Yankees uh, insisted well. on getting better, which is frustrating. Teams insisted on helping them get better. <laughs> also frustrating. I It was nice to see um, some real annoyance on the part of Red Sox fans over the course of today, though. Uh, that warmed my heart a little bit. Uh, yeah, unless there's something that's I haven't kept my eye on it. Unless there's something that's trickled in, like they did, they hardly did anything. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. The Rays, I mean, obviously they had Nelson Cruz before. They shuffled, as they do, shuffled kind of players in and out in a both buying and selling type of way, as they're wont to do. Yeah, as, uh, as, as one's <laughs> arbitration approaches. Yeah, exactly. Who, yeah, we trade this reliever for another reliever who's also in the majors now but is cheaper and we'll find a way to make him better and then we'll take another prospect. That's the, my summary of their deal with uh, Seattle. Um, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. At <laughs> Seattle, my my God. That's... Uh, that's an interesting... That's an interesting yeah. franchise right now too. And, you know, Oakland picking up guys like... The the negative thing for the Blue Jays, like there's a lot of reasons to feel like they made significant upgrades here, is like the teams they're chasing made upgrades too. Uh, those games are not going to be easier, and those teams are going to do a better job of probably winning out their games. But at the end of the day, you know the Blue Jays made big upgrades. We've, we talked about a fav- favorable schedule forever. The schedule is still relatively favorable, especially if we continue to stubbornly hold on to the belief the Red Sox aren't as good as their record suggests. <laughs> I think there's a couple of series with the Twins still to come. Yeah, which, we t- which got a little bit easier. Yeah, got, yeah, may have spared yourself a couple Barrios starts. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see what sort of the Fangraphs playoff odds for the Blue Jays are tomorrow morning. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be up to fifty percent. Uh, no, but you know, a nice weekend series against the Kansas City Royals at home should do them some favors that is a team that is sort of bereft of anyone interesting to kind of lead a little bit into our weekend tee up normally we sort of talk about the team that the jays are playing is there anything interesting to watch yada 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 there's nothing i'll just spare everyone there's nothing interesting to watch with the royals uh they got rid of danny (laughs) duffy he was good he's gone Jorge Soler is fascinating because he's uh, he was a, t- a full negative one war player this year while sort of hitting cleanup for them a bunch. And he hit 48 home runs two years ago, and apparently that's all gone out the window. So he would have been interesting just as a, you know, 
case study, but there's no one on that team worth watching. Uh, but that's okay because you're just watching baseball being played at Rogers Center at this point. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm finally ready to 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 have feelings about that. I, I have saved the Bobichette Players Tribune piece, uh, which people were very excited about. Before the Burrios trade in the morning, I great, like, oh, great no. PR for Bo. <laughs> Very easy win. Like, hey, we're Absolutely. coming back to Toronto. Be like, I love being in Toronto and playing in Toronto. That's going to be a popular piece. I haven't read it, <laughs> but I, I'm guessing that that's largely what it's about. I assume it's something like that. But people were like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Like, let's fucking go. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed that I'm not at the game uh, right now. Uh, I know, I know a few people who are. Uh, it, they they came back on trade deadline day, which made it very difficult if I wanted to, you know, do my job properly, which uh, I don't have a boss telling me to, but I also have, you know, subscription goals. So uh, so I'm like, no, I better not do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's incredible. It's uh, it has been it has been a long road trip for those guys. And that's that's another potential factor. I mean, that's it. That goes that falls very much into the theoretical and probably bullshit thing. But like. You know, teams play worse on the road, and they were basically on the road for two years. Like, they, there, there could be, there could be a bit of a bump coming, uh, just by virtue of playing in front of, you know, a real crowd in a real big league stadium, you know, with the real amenities and with you know, them being able to get on with their lives. And you know, most guys don't stay in Toronto all year anyway. But it's like at least to have some finality as to where you're going to be, uh, and to, and to just be. You know, God love Buffalo. I'm I'm a fan of Buffalo's, but you know, it's it's not quite as. Uh, I assume I assume also for you know multimillionaires, it's probably not as much fun as Toronto. Yeah, I think Toronto's pretty solid for the multimillionaire set. I can't say I mean, that from kinda... experience. It's hard for me to say that with confidence, but it's I. It's kind of building itself to be that way. Yeah, I mean, it's really. You know, I can imagine it. No, I. Yeah, all the things you described and, the, you know, there's, you know, the non-hostile home fans and how that, you know, we've seen studies indicating how that affects umpiring when, you know, that's part of the biggest part of home cooking is kind of becomes a joke. But when people have actually studied it, home teams get favorable calls. And I don't think you get those favorable calls when the home team is uh, filled in with fans for the other team. Uh, yeah, you, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it like works the that way. Sense of geography, <laughs> yeah, is like yeah. yeah. So I think you'll, you know, whatever. I don't know if people, people probably aren't going to notice that on a on a day to day basis, but you know, it probably does something. You know, it does something for the team. And I know, you know, the pro, like the the concept of Toronto doesn't mean that much to a lot of these guys. But yeah, they're going to feel something, and and part of them feeling that, you know, this happening on trade deadline day is they're going to feel that the team is investing in them, right? Like getting Burrios. I don't think that Bo Bichette is devastated to see Simeon Woods Richardson go. Like he might think, oh, I like that kid. Like he's going to be a good player someday. But I think he's happy to see, uh, you know, to see Burrios come walk through the door, to see that happen, even the relievers too, but more so Burrios. That does mean something to a locker room. And if they had done literally nothing or if they had, you know, sold, which – that was a ridiculous premise. Like that kind of entered the conversation for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, what if the Blue Jays sold? And then it's, that was never in a million. Like that is a PR nightmare. Uh, we're gonna come home. Oh, we're God. a few games out of the wild card. We've got a great uh, lineup full of all stars, and the run differential suggests that we're a better team than our record says. And our playoff odds aren't great, but they're still, you know, 
among the better ones for wildcard contenders, and let's get rid of Marcus Semien. Like that, there was no way that was ever going to happen. No, absolutely not. No, it wasn't, and it, nor, nor yeah, nor should it have. Nor should it have been a consideration. I you know I don't know. Harder, just harder to sell. They want to sell some tickets next year. You know, they they've got this new pricing structure. <laughs> I'm sure they're ready to to start making some money on and uh that's not a way to do it is by packing up and folding when you're in like objectively a pretty good position i mean it's they're they're what four and a half out of the wild card spot with a couple of teams ahead of them uh I, like a lot can still change it's a it's a third of the season still remaining so uh yeah it it seemed silly to me that people were talking about that i guess you know you look at some of the rental prices maybe maybe you understand why it was tempting or might have been tempting, but obviously uh, the Jays went a different way, and it's it's great, and it, I think it's you know it it should be a boost to the team, and it also in a way, uh, you know, some of the stuff that like the Gallo thing, for example, would have definitely required them finding a way to getting rid of another piece, uh, which probably would have not been Gritchick, which probably so would have been somebody. Well, I'm not saying Gritchick isn't well liked, but it, you know, it probably would have been like Guriel, who was very well liked. Uh, which would have been a bit, bit of a different situation than the front office like not removing anyone from you know the big league roster basically uh, you know they'll they'll lose a couple of relievers to, to Tyler Chatwood's gone but mostly saying you know we believe in this group and we're adding to this group and uh, uh, I believe that was a part of the thing that that uh, that Bichette had said as well and you know. Uh, it's a it's it's opening day basically, so it's a day for optimism. So yeah, as a very spot. very many sidebar, I did think it was a little bit funny, and you know maybe a, not my most charitable moment, but <laughs> I thought it was a little bit funny on the broadcast the other day when they were talking about how like Randall Grichuk was talking about how he didn't know if he's going to be there the next day and how stressful that was and blah blah. blah. I was just thinking like, <laughs> buddy, you're going to be here. Like you're yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be here tomorrow. Like you don't have to, and it, it sucks because it's probably genuine. Because there's no advantage to him saying that. Like he probably genuinely felt that. And I was like, right. how do you tell someone that they're not valuable enough to be wanted <laughs> by other teams to make them feel better? It's a pretty like that's a t- that's a bit of a pretzel to be honest. I mean, they could have sold <laughs> a prospect to to get that contract off the books, maybe, but it would have had to be a hell of a prospect because I did. Well, it's still it's pretty underwater. It's underwater for a little while still. Yeah, well, and you know the Yankees won't even take money, so it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to, again. Like, and I, you know, Grichuk has actually yeah. shown some strides over the last couple of years, and he's played some competent center. He's not a totally useless player, but just you know, they, I mean, maybe since the start of June, he has been. Yeah, there. yes, but it's not, been, it's not been great. Theoretically, that home run at Fenway was good, though. I got a credit yeah. where it's due. Theoretically, he's not a totally useless player, and. Uh, like, you know, when I think when we we're just zooming out, like, oh, what where's, could the Blue Jays be better? Like, yeah, he's one of those guys. But you know what? Like, every team's got one of those guys hitting seventh or eighth who's not great. Not every, maybe sometimes the Dodgers but or the Padres. But <laughs> most teams yeah. do. Like, it, Grandel Gritchick isn't what's wrong with the Blue Jays. But I, I just found that funny for a moment. And then they're like, oh, I'm worried about leaving. And I'm like, yeah, relax. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that's, there, that's a nice little insight into my mind, and that might be a good place to leave it. We don't <laughs> want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Uh, I appreciate, uh, and we both do, all you guys listening. Uh, 
Hope you guys had a good trade deadline. It was at the very least an eventful trade deadline. And we will be back with you next week.